0: Welcome back to The Hanger Podcast. This is Coach Mo. I just wanted to take a minute before we got into our content just to remind you that we are here to reclaim manhood, and in order for us to do that effectively, we need your help. Take a moment, like, rate, and review the podcast and share it with everyone you know so that the the words can get out there to everybody who needs to hear them. We've been so incredibly fortunate to have so many people take the time to do that, um, that we are literally having listeners queue in each week around the world. And we want to continue that trend so that we can continue the movement of Reclaiming Manhood. And it starts with you, so take that moment and take care of that for us. But I am not in the studio alone. I am here with Ben and Chase. How are you guys doing today? Uh, sleepy sleepy Hey, oh yeah
1: wow I'm, i was just about to say i'm i'm in a banner day for ben derrick well, i didn't say i was
2: unhappy i'm just i am currently sleepy
1: yeah i use those interchangeably a lot of times when i say sleepy i mean like I'm down and kind of depressed, but
2: I feel like you should w- work on your definition. I'm probably yeah. very harsh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, when I say sleepy, I mean I need intervention, <laughs> not just therapy. Tired. It's cured <laughs> for
0: yeah, sleepiness. Tired therapy, is what he uses. Oh, uh, yeah. Tired is what he uses when he needs a little bit more
2: sleep. Or so sleepy is the harder version <laughs> yeah. of whatever. Yeah. I just have to admit to you guys very
1: publicly that I do not start most days in a good mood. Uh, I have to kinda, I believe you, I have to work my way into that, and uh, m- my wife has been attacking me recently just because I mumble in the mornings. And I think I'm turning into one of those. And and since I've lost my hair, this is a definite thing. I just like look like a crotchety old man, just trying to fumble my way to the coffee pot every morning. What
2: does your beard look like in the morning? Oh my god! Like do you sleep on it and it's, it's like epic. dented? Yes,
1: and mm. I, I sleep on a particular side, and that side when you when you raise up off the pillow just sticks straight out. It's it's amazing. Mm, nice. Uh, but there, so you don't have
2: bed hair anymore. You have bed beard. Yeah. So you would think when you go bald, you're like,
1: well, cool. I can I can get in that point in my life where I just wake up and i'm out the door heading somewhere But when you grow a beard you just sabotage that whole process but but i digress i'm having a banner <laughs> yes. day it's been a great morning so far i had some time to sit down with a uh, a friend of mine and we were just sharing stories about manhood and i'm just growing to appreciate more and more when men open up about their stories we can talk about life so i'm flying high today mo
0: well that's good flying high is good instead of lying low Correct. It's uh, I'm not sleepy. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, last week we started talking about um, balance and the necessity for balance. Which we, we were specifically talking last week about uh, balancing you know, the the barbaric kind of macho man with the civilized kind of gentlemanly man and the necessity of doing such in our lives. And we decided that in that moment uh, we couldn't really come up with a, a, a particular solution on that, like a three-step process, and that we would carry this on for a few weeks as, a, as kind of a series where we're talking about different areas in our life that we need balance or that we should be uh, searching for balance so that we can Reclaim manhood and live the lives of men the way that we were designed to moving forward to be the men that we uh, need to be leading the next generation to do the same
1: yeah 100 percent. i think what we figured out as we were having the conversation was balance is a word that's been thrown around inside jesus circles for a really long time and it's kind it's gotten very muddy we we think we should approach it but it it felt very religious like we should have a balanced life that's a very religious thing to say but i've been thinking about it this this past week since we recorded and if you're listening to a man's story and things are going horrifically you can pretty quickly point to an imbalance in some very important area. There's just a lack of balance. And we think, unfortunately, as men, we think that we can have uh, a lifestyle that's defined by imbalance and still be okay, that it's sustainable. But I've been looking back over my own story and thinking this past week, man, when I'm in my most my my largest crises it's because
2: when you're in your sleepiest
1: moment when i am the most sleepy in my whole <laughs> life uh it's because i have a lack of balance in an area that's that's actually very important but i deceive myself in thinking i'm okay with this imbalance i'm a guy that can survive with an imbalanced life and i don't know about you chase but for me I've i've discovered that is totally self-deception at its best
2: yeah which luckily i haven't had to struggle with that just in a in a crazy manner, mainly because I'm finding in an odd way I was raised by a dad that, you know, valued balance between work and family in like my later high school years. It didn't start out that way, but some somehow in the middle of my high school years, my dad just flipped a switch and became like this ultra family man that <laughs> we weren't used to. So it was weird with all this affection that was suddenly around. But yeah, yeah, I totally agree with everything you're saying. I can see kind of in the um,
1: the way that you're living your life right now even at your age you're you're pursuing these things that do like force discipline into your story uh with your fitness journey and even with the way that you learn about new things and how you implement them I could see man it's it's cool to think that your dad flipped a switch later on in your adolescence even late in the game you know you're saying what was that like 16 and beyond or something like that 16. so you're in the house for basically two years or one and a half because when you're 18 you're out of there Mm -hmm. in that year and a half your father was able to flip a switch and make an indelible mark on the way that you you approach life that's pretty cool yeah so, Mo, you were saying this, uh, what we need to talk about today is this work-life balance. You wanted to attack, like, the most gnarly part of having a balanced life first. I'm, I'm super intrigued where you're going to take this conversation.
0: Well, when you – I think you brought up a good point off, Mike, as we were kind of talking about it Um about how you, you talk to a guy and he knows it. There's a there's a, a level of, yeah, I kinda know I need a work life balance. And then there's a, a degree of I wish preachers would shut up about it and stop telling me because my life isn't their life and they have no clue what it's like to try to live the lifestyle that I'm living.
1: Yeah, let's I want to pause there and real like let's just be as as honest as we can because hangermen value honesty. We work inside of a church and the the general perception is that we have kind of a softball job, that we get to design our own schedule and uh, you know we're always having lunch or having coffee. And most guys are like, I hope my boss doesn't know that I actually stopped to have a sandwich at noon today instead of pursuing that next account. <laughs> uh, so when, when a guy stands up on stage in a church service, especially when you bring Jesus into the conversation because it feels really heavy-handed and a, a pastor says, look, you've got to pursue a balanced life. And here are the things that I've done in my life to create a balance. Most men who are sitting in those particular rooms are thinking, this guy doesn't know crap about what he's actually talking about. The only reason he has a work-life balance is because he's a Jesus guy.
0: Yeah, and I think that it's wise to say that, but it's also important to say that at least I can speak for myself. I might be speaking for all of us in here. Um but we have not yet achieved the perfect work-life balance. Um, even though I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find it, it's not come easy, and only thing that I can share are the ideas and some of the things that I'm trying to do and I'm finding the most success in. But, uh, I mean, this is one of the hardest jobs I've ever had.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't want to get into, like, we're defending ourselves, yeah. but I do think it's important to put out there, as guys who work in the church, full-time for a living the um the perception that we have more real estate to do the things that we want to do because we're just always at church camp every day uh it's it's just a myth i mean our jobs are to respond to the needs of the community and i I would challenge anybody to say when when are those needs satisfied when are the individual needs satisfied? And when do we have a time where we can stop challenging the predominant messages of culture? I mean, all that stuff creates a very complex thing. And we are, as pastors, equally invested in the outcome of our vocation, of our jobs, as, uh, as other men are. But we do have to recognize we don't live under the thumb, at least in our particular context. We don't live under the thumb of the company. We do have some freedom to pursue some things. But what, what I would say today is we're describing the problem. Yes, I'm with you, Mo. Every man struggles with this, no matter his job. Every man struggles with this because we are built to perform. We are built to provide. So this is one of these major landmines in our, in our quest towards reclaiming manhood that is going to block the way and, and blow up on us. Uh, so I guess I'm just putting out there, I'm with you. I'm still trying to figure this out, and I still have fights with my wife on a weekly basis about how much I'm working or when I'm working or how much I'm thinking about working. I mean, that's my, is its is it y'all's life? I mean, the people yeah, around you? Yeah, my wife
0: hates it Man, whenever I bring work on your
1: imaginary wife is, she's very angry. <laughs> yeah. I, don't I mean, if you're going to have
0: an imaginary one... <laughs>
1: You might as well be angry. Let's stop (laughs) that joke there and keep on the content. Um,
0: Yeah, I I also want to talk to the guy who's thinking about turning the episode off because he's tired of hearing about a work-life balance. um, And just say, give us a second because one of the things that we're going to try and do is give you what you're looking for. You know, tell me something I haven't heard before. Uh, somebody's told me I want a work-life balance or I need a work-life balance, and then they stop there and say, pray more and read your Bible more often, um, but there's very few practical steps that, that are given um, in order to achieve that balance. And one of the things that I also want to preface in saying is that as we get to kind of the, the solution portion of the episode, uh, I want you to know that it's going to be a difficult thing to say and hear at the same time.
1: For the people saying it here behind the (laughs) microphone, like it's going to be difficult for us to live these things. But I do want to uh, pull back for just a second and talk about this is we're just assuming and we do this a lot here here at the hangar. We're just assuming this is a really complex problem. I I feel that it is. Uh, If it if it was not a complex problem, then more men Would have a work-life balance, but I, I feel like the predominant feeling that the men that I sit with regularly have is I would love to X, Y, or Z. But I've got an Excel sheet that is running my life because I've got to increase my profit margin by this, or I've got to make sure that this is successful. We have a lot of men around us that are self-employed that have started their own businesses. In that respect, they say, "I've got all these employees. I got fifty-five employees, and they're not going to have Christmas if we don't sell enough this or that." I mean, the pressure for men in their jobs uh, is. Dramatically underestimated for all of us, and especially I want to call this out because we 're going to have a lot of men just roll down their windows and say, "Yeah when they hear this, but it's especially misunderstood in the world of women. Uh, I feel like a lot of women are have become dependent on the types of lives that their husbands or the men in their life, even their fathers, have provided for them uh, and there 's this conflict men feel like in order to please the women in their life they 've got to just continue like make more and more money not that the woman is putting that intentional pressure but as men if we start providing one thing we feel it's almost impossible to roll it back and start providing less maybe a lot of the women would be really pleased with that i think we're going to get to that some of that later but our impression of the women in our lives is that they want more and often that that's not true but that's the pressure we live under
0: yeah i think i think you're right in that where where we want like you know if i buy (laughs) <laughs> if I buy my wife a new car, it's kind of like in powerlifting, you go in and you tell them your numbers and you go to make your first lift. And if you don't get it, you can't go down. You can only go up. So you either have to try the same thing again, give up or go up to a higher weight. So it's kind of the same idea as where I've done this. I've created this. We've bought this house. The only way, the only way I can go from here is up. And in today's culture, we've gotten so bored with where we are so quickly. Like, how many people do you know stay in their house long enough to actually pay their mortgage off? Does that happen? Uh, See? (laughs) Wow.
1: I mean, it's 30 years. Most of us are on 30 years, right? You don't stay there long enough to pay it off for all because you, you have to upsize you know and I'm, I'm certainly not trying to attack women maybe what i really needed to say was we acclimate to where we are and then want to drive drive it up you know i mean we're happy with the honda civic all my civic people out there driving a civic uh but after we drive a civic for a while then we're going to take a step up that's just what you do i'm happy with the 1400 square foot house but after a while, we're going to get that 2200 you know, because it's got a sink in the laundry room. And we just end up piling on, piling on, piling on. And the result is most men, even listening to this, would say, I would love to have a work-life balance. But because of my life, I have to work. And they're, it's so imbalanced that they're spending all of their time working and not even enjoying their life. You know, they look up. A lot of men have this experience. They look up 20 years later and all the stuff they purchased, they never got to enjoy. Because they're just working, working, working. And man, the worst scenario is when you find yourself in a job that you really hate, but it pays well. Boy, that's a trap. So, I mean, the, the what we're saying right now, and I think we need to move on to our solution portion, but what we're saying is you can't just stand up and announce to people, either on a stage or through a podcast, you should have like a 50-50. You know, work 50% of the time, enjoy your life 50% of the time, make those things kind of work together do what you need to do, tell the boss this, tell the boss that, and just like put your foot down because the guy's thinking, that's going to be great, but the bank is calling if I'm not paying that mortgage. I've got my kids in this particular school. I've got to pay for that. My other kid is on this travel soccer team, and we've we got to pay for that. I mean, people are coming for the money, and if I don't have it, problems are on their way, and I can't pay my mortgage with a work-life balance. I got to pay it with money. So, what do we do? How is there a solution to this
0: problem? What do you guys think? I think there's a solution. Um I think that the only way you can come to the solution is trying to find the root of the problem, uh which we've kind of identified in a, in, in a practical sense. Uh but I, like I'm I'm struggling to to answer that question because Um, even though we've identified the issue, the lack of a work life balance, we've identified the reluctancy to move towards that because of the lifestyle that we, and we're not bashing any lifestyles or anything like that. We're just saying this is a reality. Um, what, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm struggling through is the necessity in my own opinion, uh, to call out the power of the lifestyle that, that it has over our lives.
1: Yeah. And one thing that you said before we before we hit record today is that we're seeing men die early deaths because of this, you know, and it and maybe a lot of it. it the lifestyle is an important piece of it. But what we're trying to communicate to hangar men today is that life expectancy is rolling in the opposite direction. Because of work, a lack of balance in work and life. Because we are, if we're not chasing money, we put ourselves in a situation where we have to chase success and money comes along with that. One of the first times I, I saw that my dad lost a friend, he lost a friend of the FBI. The guy was commuting an hour and a half each way to work, working for the FBI, and it killed him. He died of a heart attack. You know, So, hey, guess what? The FBI just kept right on rolling. But that guy's story ended quickly and his family was at a loss you know so one of the things we need to propose out there for guys like this is an unsolvable problem i think you're right we have to define the root and part of it is men are running themselves into the ground trying to pay the man or trying to pay off the boat or whatever it is pay off the yeti That would be me. I'd have to finance a Yeti. Um, We're trying to pay off whatever the things we have. And then all of a sudden life's over, you know, and there's, there's just a general tone right now in our culture where people, and I especially love this about the millennials and the younger generation, they are saying very boldly, I am not going to spend 55 hours a week doing something that I don't enjoy so that I can have things that are nice. I mean, there's a whole movement of people that are like living in the back of trucks Mm -hmm. and just driving across the country and having experiences that they enjoy that don't cost much money at all. I think we overestimate how much money is actually required to live. That may be another, another episode, but it definitely feeds into this argument. So, yeah, I think the problem is we're chasing the wrong thing. Uh, We're chasing financial gain or we're chasing validation through our careers. It's very hard for us to balance if we're so scared to assert who we are into our lives because our boss is going to fire us. And we convince ourselves that the job that we have now is the only job we could ever have. And I got to tell you, my, my life has proven that to not be true. The job that you have now can be replaced.
0: Oh, yeah, that's I mean, and that's. I know that I fell into that camp. I have fallen into that camp in the past where I'm thinking this is all I know. I'm not qualified to do anything else. This is the only thing that will pay me what I need right now um, and potentially lead towards me being able to get more by making more, blah, 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 blah. And I ended up being owned by the person that I worked for. Um, and I'm not, you know, that's that's muddy water too. I mean, a lot of that is because I allowed that to take place. But eventually... I was able to put myself in a place where I could leave that job to do something different, to do something better that had more purpose behind it and a better (laughs) leadership structure, you know? Um, But so uh, talking about going towards the solution um, for creating a work-life balance, you kind of said it uh, without saying it, but being willing and able to put up boundaries it seems like we're more willing and able to put up boundaries with our family than we are with our employer. A fear of getting fired, a fear that this is the only job I can get, this is what my, quote, degree is in, you know, stuff like that. So what is it or how can we, maybe some practical steps of how can we begin to put um, boundaries up with our employers?
1: Why don't you take that one,
2: Chase? Uh, uh, How do you put boundaries up with your employer? Um, I feel like I'm like the worst person to ask this, because this is my first job ever. And my employers say, yeah, you're working too much before I can even say anything. So I, don't, I honestly don't know. I feel like the root
1: of it, i just, this is peeling back the story of Ben. I think the root of it is, um, having regard for yourself not just knowing who you are, but knowing that you're valuable. This is this is where it really, and maybe I'm fast-forwarding to the end here, but this is what happens in, in my life is I feel like the only value I have is the value that's assigned to me by my employer. And actually, the place where I'm working now has taught me that that's totally false, that I have value. But I think men so attach their value to their vocation that you just can't put boundaries up there because if you do, you're saying, Uh, I'm reducing my value if I put a boundary up here and I make my I put my job at, at jeopardy which we should say this in this space too I think we draw boundaries with our families because they're easier to push around what we don't understand is that eventually we're just going to push them out how many men have you had a conversation with where at some point you hear this phrase in their story and then I lost my family now I'm all alone. Well, you pushed them around for 20 years. What did you think was going to happen, you idiot? You know, I mean, this is this is how life works, but it's harder for us to put boundaries up at work because we've so attached our self-worth to what we are able to accomplish. And this is where for hanger man we gotta say Jesus communicates value to us because of who we are. He created us as valuable and he's given us a purpose. This is the big thing for me. I have a purpose. Man, this is, I'm going to say, it. I have a purpose that vertical church does not dictate. That I have a purpose outside of my employment. And I can say that because I've been taught that by the people that are my bosses here. They have a purpose outside of what they're doing to make money or outside of what they're doing to, to promote the values of of our organization, as it exists by itself, they have a purpose. I have a purpose. I have a purpose outside of what I clock in and clock out to do. Thankfully, as church people, our purposes overlap. For a lot of other people who are working in different industries, they're not quite that connected. I, I recognize that. But if you're taking your sense of purpose and value just to your job, I'm in trying to answer your question a very long way to Benway. If you're taking your uh, purpose and value just to your job, how are you going to set boundaries on that? you're going to be less purposeful. You can be less valuable. So until you determine who you are and what sort of value you have, you're going to have a problem with the work-life balance if you think that you're not worth anything without your work.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, looking at what you can make and only focusing on what's potentially, uh, gained without determining the cost is another, uh, another reason why we, we tend not to put boundaries in at work. I have personally put some boundaries in at a job outside of this one, uh, outside of the church job, um, that didn't really carry over very well. And I did it from the very beginning. I said, this is, this is what comes first. My, my faith comes first, my family comes second, and then you get to come somewhere somewhere third around there. And I said, whatever happens in this place, it will, I will not allow it to get in the way of my, my faith, my ministry, Or my family. Oh, no, no. Yeah, of course. You know, and it goes on. I said, I'm not working this day because this day belongs to my family. Don't call me to come in on this day because this day belongs to God. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not doing these things. And and it started out great. But once they started making changes, and they started requiring more of me when I would hold them accountable to that conversation. It was the beginning of the end. So, And I'm saying this for a reason because this is some of the things that people are afraid of, that men are afraid of, is going into their boss and saying, hey, listen, um, I need to spend more time with my family. We had this arrangement, and I'm not being able to spend enough time with my family, and it's not working out for me, and this is why my attitude is the way it is at work as of recent. And the, the, here's what it was told to me in a meeting. It was when a guy comes up to me and says, I'm not spending enough time with my family. That usually means he's on the way out to which I responded. That is your decision.
1: Man, you had that conversation.
0: Yeah. And it wasn't easy. You know, I mean, wow. it, it was the beginning of the end. And then they started interpreting everything as me trying to make my exit. But that's not what it was. It was just, listen, I'm holding these things and I'm holding you accountable to what we agreed on. But it, it was the beginning of the end. I mean, yeah. that was where when I started enforcing my boundaries, my employer wasn't happy and it started moving towards um, uh, an unhealthy breakup. But it cost me my job in the long run. However, I can stand in front of my kids and say, I stood up for my, my family. Because that matters to you, so I mean right. we're
1: we're actually going on this whole thing as as hangerman trying to help that matter for more men, especially the ones that are tuning into this every week. But you're pointing out another problem. It's not just about purpose and value being connected to your vocation. It's also about when you try to implement boundaries in these areas, they're not often respected or their reason why you're put on the outs. But what what we believe, what I believe, is that if you're taking a stand at your employer and saying, I'm not manning my territory because this job has crossed my boundaries, it's jumped the fence, and it's affecting how I'm manning my territory. If you have that conversation and stand up to the people that are paying you a particular amount of money for the sake of the cause, then God's looking out for you and taking that step. He doesn't abandon us in that. Now, it's not going to be... Your journey hasn't been easy. It's not going to be an easy journey. My journey wasn't easy when I did that, even as as awkwardly as I did it. Uh, But we believe that pursuing this is going to be worth whatever pain it's going to cause into your life the first step is you don't have to walk in and quit the first step is and this is something that ron and eva hunter have have taught me over time that a healthy man is a well-boundaried man what we do though is we back up those boundaries we don't put boundaries in place at work so I just have to ask the direct question. If there is a solution, and I'm really hoping we're pulling out Jesus here, if there is a solution, is it found in Jesus? What does it sound like? How can we attach to it? How can hanger men start to develop, not just quitting their job, but how can they start to develop? Because if you just quit your job, you go to the other one, you're, and you're not bounded, you're going to have the same problem. How do you start to put boundaries in place? What's my motivation to have a, a healthy, proper work-life balance?
0: That I think... Excuse me. I think the only way that is possible and the only motivation that will move you to do that is, in fact, Jesus. Uh, Jesus. I don't know, man. I'm trying to. This is Mo, so whatever. Um, the Jesus life well, is a life. Wait a minute. I don't know what that means. <laughs> wait a minute.
1: This is most so whatever? Yeah. That was like the best intro to Jesus content I may have ever seen because you're like, that was the, the podcast version of hang on, this might not work. But whatever, I'm me, but so whatever. we're going to wing it. I hope you're wearing your seatbelt. That, that was beautiful. Please continue.
0: Well, yeah, so here's the way I see it, and here's what I understand from reading that book. Uh, what the one? Bible oh, uh. is uh, is that the life of a, the life of a Jesus follower is a life of constant sacrifice and it's a life of a mind, a mindset shift and shift shift. Oh. You don't have to bleep that one out. Okay, cool. Is a, it, it, and it, it requires of us to think differently and to value things in a different way. Once upon a time I valued the almighty dollar and now I have to take that dollar and I have to push it to the side and place my value in my, relationship with Jesus. Everything that I had, everything that I gained, every bit of knowledge, everything that I was, was nothing compared to knowing who Jesus is and living a life that that, that is required of me, having been paid for by death. So my, my thought is that the only way that a man can be motivated to be willing to make the sacrifices that are necessary to create that work-life balance in a way that honors God is by, in fact, um, making Jesus the ultimate in his life. That's good, man.
1: This, This talk about sacrifice, because that's what men think is, well, that's what I'm doing. I'm working so much, I'm sacrificing so that I can provide, and that's manning my territory for for whatever the reasons are. I mean, I'm, I'm sacrificing so I can provide so my kids can have braces. I mean, let's not all make it about trips to the Caribbean. I mean, there's very practical things that need to be paid for, but what we're challenging and what we're sitting in, the challenge that we are sitting in right now as the three of us is that we want to sacrifice in the right places. We want to develop an attitude of sacrifice in the correct way. So, you, well, we, we're all bringing up Jesus, but th- this is what Jesus says. This is in, um, where is this? Mark, Mark 8, calling the crowd to him with his disciples, so his closest friends, he says to them, quote, quoting Jesus here, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. As I'm reading that, it's just like a knuckle dragger. I'm thinking... If anybody wants to follow me, they're going to have to sacrifice. Fair enough interpretation. Then he goes to the next verse. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. I think it's exactly what we're trying to say. Jesus said it better. Let's just throw that out there. And let me also reference, I haven't brought up John Elders for this entire episode, so Ooh. gold star for me. But Jesus says, if you try to save your own life, you will lose it. So it's, what's going to happen? You don't have a work life balance. You're trying to make enough money to save your own life. This is especially true in America. I have a suspicion it's true all around the world. You are going to lose your life trying to save it. But if you make the decision to sacrifice and lose your life, if you get the order correct, then you will save it. That's what we're trying to say. It may mean that right now you're making. 95,000 a year, and you got a lifestyle. This, and we we had a hangar man come in very early in this podcast and talk about this very mm-hmm. thing. You may be making 95 a year or 250 a year, but you know what? It's possible for you to live off 50, it's possible for you to live off less than 50. I mean, really, it is. If you have your life designed in a way that it's only sustainable that you're trying to save yourself and kill yourself at work, then you've got some hard decisions to make after listening to this episode. And I'm almost wanting to develop an apologetic tone. We're not trying to say that this is an easy thing to do, being well-bounded at work. We're not trying to say that. But we are saying that Jesus tells us very clearly, this is a very old book, and it was a very old speech that we're listening to right now from Jesus. But he says, if you are trying to save your own life, it's not going to end well. And you know what? After all these years, we can prove that Jesus was actually right. So the next part has to be true. You need to develop a sacrificial posture in the right way and stop trying to save your own life and save your family's life by making more money to make that happen. So is it possible, I'm throwing this to you guys now, is it possible for a hangar man to say, I'm not chasing money and financial security. From this point forward, I'm
2: chasing purpose whatever that means yeah i think we said early on the in the podcast that like the solution isn't simple but uh i think that was wrong i think it i think it's simple just the mentality and the strength and the boldness that you have that's where it gets complex because you eventually you just gotta you gotta nut up man
1: yeah there's a time where you have to decide to to decide to do the right thing, right. even if it is a big risk, and we talk about that a lot here. So here's what Jesus does. This guy was so smart. Man, he rolls out this stuff that's true, and then he asks a question that you're just forced to answer honestly. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What is it? I mean, okay, so this is the obvious question, time of Jesus. It doesn't profit. If I gain the whole world, but I lose me, why would I want to do that? But it's, it's what so many of us are doing every single day. So here's my, where I kind of want to wrap this up today for men who are listening. It, it it doesn't do you any good. You can live in the neighborhood that you think you would never have ever been able to afford, have all the toys, all that stuff, all the prosperity, white picket fence, whatever. But if you lose who you are to get that in the end, it's not going to be worth it. So for the guy listening, how do we let Hanger men know that they are involved in activities that are compromising their soul are there indicators because this is kind of a big issue a big idea is there are there questions that hangermen men can ask that would let them know i've put myself in a in a place in my life where i have an imbalance in work and life it's so complicated but what questions do i ask
0: yeah i i think part of me wants to say just look around It'll be obvious.
1: Then part of me wants to hit you in the face <laughs> yeah. for saying that.
0: No, I know, and 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 that's what I, I mean. That's why I'm like, well, maybe I can't say that. I just wanted to say it on the microphone because I'm mo and I have a microphone in front of me and I wanted to. And whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that I mean, and and I can speak for myself when my daughter only knows me as coach mm-hmm. because that's the only relationship that relationship that we built together
1: man yeah make a joke because that was heavy wow um what if my sons only know me as pastor Mm. or hanger man gosh
0: yeah and and what 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 is how many man goodness how many people do you know describe their their fathers as he was a great businessman but a crummy father yeah
1: that's usually the story
0: yeah but they don't even see part of it is that's those are people who own their stories those are people who have identified the father wound. The majority of people, the the majority of men, have not done so. So what they're thinking is, my father was an amazing businessman. That's why I need to be.
1: Yeah, I've got his DNA. So in order for me to be successful and to gain his approval, yeah, this this gets pretty deep, yeah. pretty fast. But uh, so what so happens to the man who doesn't? Is that what you mean when you say just look around?
0: Yeah. Well, and and what I mean is, um, people who pursue these things and if you're willing and by look around I don't mean like hello it's obvious I mean take an intentional look around take a look at what's going on in your family have you ever thought to yourself my gosh I've given this woman the world whatever what else does she want have you, you <laughs> <laughs> yeah have you ever thought why the hell is my kid acting this way I've given them everything that I that they want or where, you know, why is it that I go on vacation and instead of sitting down on the beach having a good time? I'm fighting with everybody because we can't get along. Well,
1: I'm not wealthy and I fight with everyone on my family vacation. So, <laughs> but I, I do want to uh, drop this in too to say I know some incredibly successful, wealthy men. That have a work-life balance. Mm. So when you say "look around," you don't just mean "look around." Do you have nice things? Well, you're obviously selling out. You know, that's <laughs> no, not no. what we're hey, This about. is punk rock. Yeah, no. yeah. You can be surrounded by really. When you say "look around," the first thing that you went to was not stuff, but relationships. Right. Mm. That's what I'm hearing. Look around at your relationships. Are, are is your wife sleeping in a different room on a different side of the of the house? Do you have trouble connecting with your children? You know, do you, d- does your wife know things about your children that you don't? Do you hear facts about your family that surprise you? That could be a really big indicator that you've got a, you've got a lack of work-life balance. For me, uh, it comes out in anger. I become an angry man uh, at home, I become an angry man at work. I just feel like I'm angry every day. You know, if I have a lot of anger going on inside of my story, it's an indicator. So you have those family relationships that can—that's really close feedback. That's why it's so good to call that out. You've got this internal. If you just feel angry all the time, there's probably something that's that's not balanced. And one that we have to mention is addiction. If you just latched onto things to try to, they're really just coping mechanisms. You just want to, when you get finished with work, you just want to disappear. You know, you've got a garbage can out in the garage that at the end of the week, you're taking one uh, bag out because all it's got is beer cans in it. Then you're probably using that uh, just to anesthetize yourself to the imbalance. So these are just like really practical things that a hangar man can look at and say, are my family relationships fractured? There may be a work problem. Do I have an addiction to a particular thing that lets me escape pornography or substance? There may be a work problem, you know? I mean, just very basic stuff that you can kind of trace it back and say there may be something that you're doing that's compromising that soul life that we all have to have,
0: right? Yeah, I think if you have to, (laughs) if you have to supplement your life with some kind of, Chemical reaction just to feel something. That's a pretty good indicator that your soul is on the decline.
1: Yeah, and that one thing I'm thinking as we were talking about this, I know I'm talking a lot today because I, I do struggle with this. My general reputation in my life is that I don't ever work, which is funny because my brain is always working. Uh, that's just not the kind of work I get paid for. Uh, but I think these things, another red flag is, are these things happening in isolation? If I'm sitting down with another hanger man to have a beer and we're talking about life and it's a life-giving conversation, then I can't look at that substance and say, oh, oh, I have a work-life imbalance because I just had a beer. But if I'm having nine beers in my garage while my wife's inside handling the kids because I just can't cope, that's what we're talking about. If that stuff is driving you into isolation and your only relational connections are ones that are uh, based on what you do for a living – Ooh, that's going to be a big problem. So wrapping up now, what we're saying is at least men should begin to be aware of how much work takes precedent in their life. And maybe, hangermen, we're trying to drop in here this hope that if you are trapped in a particular situation where you feel like there's no way out because what you're doing demands that you don't man your territory, there is hope that God as a good father cares for us and you could arrange your life differently either through being well-boundaried or through changing what you do for a living a work-life balance is possible and as hangar men as the leaders of this hanger men movement we're telling you that your soul matters and you matter so maybe you've got to take some steps this week to step out there and say i'm going to do some self-care and investigate my work-life balance